With us in the studio this morning, we have a couple of great guests who are going to be bringing to Sandpoint a couple of film festivals to give us a lot of warm thoughts for the summer. We're going to start off with Mr. John Hastings, retired high school teacher locally, owner of one of the area's um, more fabulous garden centers, and man about town. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself, yourself now in retirement, but pre-retirement too. Well, yeah, I've been uh, in Sandpoint for about 27 years now, teaching most of that at Sandpoint High School, where I taught environmental science, uh, forestry, horticulture, landscape design, things along that nature. And uh, one of the other things that we did too was uh, we started a uh, chapter of the uh, Boy Scouts, although it's called Venture Venture Scouting, which is both boys and girls. And that's how this little outdoor club got started. We're no longer affiliated with Boy Scouts, and we kind of exist in a different function now. And so it's the, the Outdoor Club. Let's talk about that before we launch into the Benefit Film Festival. It's not just Sandpoint High School students. Correct. No, it's not. And, and its official title is now called the uh, uh, Sandpoint Area Students Adventure Club. And as I say, when uh, we used to do a lot more things when I was an active teacher and, uh, quite honestly, when my kids... Uh, we're both uh, going through the school system. Um, and so we did climbing and camping and, and uh, backcountry skiing and a lot of different activities like that. But as things have changed, it's morphed to where it's kind of become a more single-focus um, international travel club, if you will. Tell us about some of the trips you've taken. Well, the, um, this past summer, we had a group of about 10 students, and we went down to Belize. And the trips have never been oriented towards uh, um, tourist kinds of trips where we're going to look at things. They've always been where we want to be involved in things. And so in, in Belize, um, we spent a couple days while we were there um, planting uh, uh, fruit-bearing trees for some of the uh, local um, farmers to help them with their, their yield, their production. It was really kind of fun, too, because when we'd be done with those plantings, then the uh, the farmers would uh, have us stay around their their farms for dinner or lunch or whatever time of day we happen to be there. And uh, you know, there's a few times that I'm pretty sure the uh, the chicken that we were uh, being served had been running around in the farmyard just moments before. So it was it was kind of a, a fun experience. And then we also got to, uh, these trips originally kind of um, came out of a student uh, desire to try and do something when we learned just the the, the the difficulties that coral reefs around the planet were having. Uh, the Belize trip, we got to snorkel on the reefs, but we didn't get to do any reef restoration. Um, but we did participate in a manatee uh, monitoring program where they are looking for manatee uh, populations and how they're doing. And an interesting thing about Belize is that they have protected their reefs for 50 years. They've been a protected thing long before it was cool to protect reefs, but that's largely because their tourism is so based upon diving. Um, in San Pedro, I don't think it'd be an exaggeration to say that there must be 40 dive shops. And so <clears throat> the, uh, after the, uh, the student portion of this trip, uh, my wife was one of the other chaperones. She brought the students back to uh, the U.S. and I stayed and did some diving in Belize, got some advanced certifications. Our upcoming trip now uh, to the Dominican Republic, about four or five of our students have gotten scuba cer uh, certified before we go so that they'll be able to do some diving while we're in, in uh, the Dominican Republic. 
and those that are not scuba certified will be able to do just as much reef restoration work, but they'll be doing it with snorkels. Or sometimes they're in quite shallow water and you don't really need any kind of gear. You can, it's easy to reach. So how large a group of students is this and what are their uh, range of ages? The, um, the Dominican Republic trip has gotten larger than I had wanted it to get. <laughs> um, last spring, when we had a few meetings, we had about a half a dozen kids signed up and uh, mostly juniors and seniors because that's the classes that I was teaching the age groups. I wanted to get the group up a little bit more. So this fall we had uh, some recruitment meetings and they were too successful. <laughs> and so we now have about 20 uh, students going and we'll have about four or five chaperones with them. Um, They're from ninth grade through uh, seniors, you know, graduating seniors. So we have a, a quite a little mix there. Now, Belize and diving and coral reef restoration, this sounds wonderful. Uh, 20 teenagers. I would say, I would ask you, do you know what you're getting yourself into? But I know you've had a couple of teenagers. Um, uh, yes, I, I, I think I know what I'm getting myself into. And the reason I say that is um, when I've traveled before, smaller groups, all students that I have probably, mostly students that I've had in class, so I know them well. Uh, this particular case, I know about half of these students well, and the other half I don't. Um, but if I don't know the students well, I think I know their families fairly well. So this sort of an activity, it's again, it's not a let's go have fun in a foreign country. It's let's go do service work in a foreign country. And so I think we do attract students that are there because they want to accomplish something and, and not because they want a week, a week away from mom and dad where they can screw around a little bit. We might have to have you back on the show afterwards to get a postmortem and see how it went. Yep, that, that's a good idea. We'll see how it goes. So there's an upcoming film festival that you're organizing to support this. Tell us about that. Yeah, we've, we actually brought this film festival to town oh, four or five years ago, and I don't think it's been back then for a variety of reasons, COVID being one of them. But it's the International Wildlife Film Festival. It's based out of Missoula, Montana. As a matter of fact, in April coming up is when the, they have the live festival in Missoula. Uh, and so the films we're showing are actually films that were all submitted um, almost a year ago, so the 2022 uh, film festival. And it's, it's all sorts of different films that, that they bring there. You get real mainstream stuff, like a lot of the BBC films, you know, the new ones that, they, that are making for broadcast will show up. They have a high school student division where you get films that were produced by high school students. Um, there's animations. There's all sorts of different things with the theme being wildlife. Mm -hmm. Tell us about a few of the specific films. Some of the ones we're going to show, um, well, we're going to show one film that's going to be quite entertaining for everybody, I think, and it's not one actually out of the wildlife, the International Wildlife Film Festival. It's that when we go to the Dominican Republic now, there's two small non-governmental organizations that we'll be working with, um, and they work with each other all the time. One is called Costumbar Reef Healing. And what I uh, like about this project is when I was in the Dominican Republic a few years ago diving, I met some of these folks and they are trying to heal the reefs in front of where they live. So they're not these large scale projects, they're small scale projects, but they have way more work than they can do. And uh, so I was very interested in bringing a group of students down there. And helping them with their work, because, you know, if groups like ours don't come, the work doesn't get done. 
But so there was this uh, Deborah Sorensen. She's kind of the one who runs this custom bar reef healing uh, organization. She was down on the beach doing some cleanup work, and a filmmaker happened by and said, mind if I make a little film about you? And so we're going to show that film. That's a short 15-minute film, but what's cool about it is that you will see the actual reef that these students will be working on, and you will see the people they're working with. And she's learned a lot um, from an organization nearby called the Fundacion Ecologica Managa, and that is uh, kind of the parent organization for her activities as well. And through them, we'll be doing, we'll be placing new reef structures. They found kind of by accident, real happen chance sort of thing, that when uh, pieces of coral break off, uh, and particularly Acropora, which is the like staghorn and elkhorn corals, um, when pieces of them break off, they grow 10 times faster than they normally would. And so that's how they're restoring reefs now. They, they intentionally break pieces, or they found, find ones that were broken off by storms or boat anchors or something and then they place them on these structures so that they'll grow much grow much faster and so we'll be making new structures we'll be tending to old structures um we'll also be installing oyster beds and uh, we'll do at least one day of planting mangroves uh, along the coast too which is great for coastal restoration so it sounds like the uh coral reefs are a lot like weeds in our backyard you pull them they just come back and thriving i i wish they were that aggressive they're not but <laughs> yeah. but yes your students have also done projects closer to home yes yeah when we when when i was uh, still uh, teaching we did a lot of active projects um and kind of relates to this film festival both on the campus of sandpoint high school and at round lake state park uh our students built monarch way stations um so where we plant milkweeds and other uh, blooming flowers um, that obviously assist monarch butterflies. That's the target species, but they help all sorts of other species as well, too. And one of the films that we're showing um, is about a monarch way station in Montana. And so which is kind of interesting that when it's a, a local area like that, we're on the very northern edge of, of about how far those monarchs um, would migrate. There's a cool little website called Monarch Mapper. You can go on it and you can see both uh, confirmed sightings of milkweed, which are necessary for the monarchs, um, and then also monarchs themselves. And you'll see some confirmed sightings in Bonner County, but, uh, but they're few and far between. Um, they used to be more numerous here than they are now. The entire population has lost about 95% of its mm. numbers, so they're, they're in decline everywhere for a variety of reasons. Um, but by people... Boy, there's a real push nationwide now where we see more and more people are planting milkweeds in their landscapes because they know this is going to assist the monarchs. And the monarchs are very dependent on particular species of the milkweed. Is that right? The, yes. Um, there, there are several species that they, that they use. Um, here in Bonner County, we have three native species, and they'll use any one of them. About the only one that's ever caused problems is there's a tropical milkweed that sometimes people grow, and that's one that they won't use. Um, but that, that really won't overwinter up here anyway. So that's not a huge problem for us, but most of the garden centers, nurseries around here, if most, if you see a milkweed, it's probably one that the monarchs will use. You just got to be careful that you're not getting the tropical milkweed. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the event, the details of, uh, date, time, place, et cetera. We're going to be, uh, at the Hartwood center. Um, films are going to start about seven o'clock. But, of course, this is a fundraiser that helped the students pay for this trip. And uh, so we're going to have the doors open at 6.15. We'll have some live or some, excuse me, silent auction items. We'll have some raffle opportunities. Um, 
The uh, suggested donation is uh, $20, but it is by donation. We will have some sponsorship opportunities as well. One of the cool things we're going to do when we go to Custom Bar is we're bringing 10 sets of snorkeling uh, gear, and then we're going to donate that uh, to this organization when we leave so they can do it with local school groups, what they're going to be doing with us. So you can be a snorkel sponsor uh, at a $50 level, which will kind of help help us pay for some of those snorkels we're bringing down there. Um, uh, Eichert's is going to be around so that everybody can stay uh, uh, refreshed. And there'll be a, a brief intermission uh, when we wrap up some of the silent auction stuff. We have about eight films that we're showing. I've mentioned a couple of them. We also have another film that I'm excited to see called Denizens of the Steep. And uh, those of us that are backcountry skiers, uh, we used to kind of have the mountains to ourselves, and we don't anymore um, because so many people are taking up these outdoor recreation activities, which is a good thing uh, that people are being active and being outdoors. Unfortunately, it's not giving the wildlife the respite from human activity they used to get in the wintertime. So this film is kind of focusing on uh, backcountry skiers. Kim Havel, who's a world-renowned backcountry skier, she's kind of uh, taking us through this journey and the kind of impact that those activities are having um, on some of our wildlife. Well, it's fascinating. Are there any other films you'd like to highlight? Well, one of my personal favorites, because <laughs> I'm usually into this stuff, I like, really like some of those things that, uh, that don't stand out. And there's one on tadpoles, and it's a, about the daily migration of the uh, western toad uh, tadpole migration. And while it's not thousands of miles like the monarch, it's truly amazing that these um, uh, schools of tadpoles go on these daily migrations in these large numbers, and it's kind of a fun thing to watch. Of course, the downside to that is, as so many of our wildlife populations say, uh, wetlands have been something we as a species like to fill in and build things on. And so the loss of wetlands has been really difficult on a lot of amphibians in particular. So this one is kind of looking at that migration and some of the stresses on the population due to, due to development. Absolutely fascinating. Who knew tadpoles migrated? I didn't, and that's what I love when I see <laughs> when I learn about yeah. stuff like that. Films, the, films like this are always wonderful for their inspiration and, and uh, you know for their educational opportunities for youth and adults alike. And we uh, we do have one other short film that uh, you'll find entertaining, and it's uh, it will answer the question definitively: Do porcupines throw their quills or not? Oh, I didn't know that was a question. I oh. thought they did. <laughs> Well, you better be there. You better guess, be there so you can learn. Guess we'd better be there. They're a fascinating animal. You have to you have to imagine the audacity of the predator who first thought that that looked tasty and figured out a way to get to it. Indeed, you know. indeed. So, John, if somebody can't make the film festival, uh, how can they help out? How can they support the cause? Uh, we, we we accept donations. We've had people who have made donations already, and that can be um, cash donations, or it can also be items uh, to serve as uh, raffle prizes at this event. We will have other events coming up in the spring as well. So we've had both of those sorts of things. Um, All Seasons Garden Center is the place that we are using as a drop-off site. There also are tickets available for sale there. Uh, The students who are going on the trip have tickets that they have been trying to sell around town. And uh, uh, then tickets will be available at the door. I do encourage you to come early, um, not just because we want you to bid on our auction items, but because the word on the street is this is going to be fairly well attended, 
And uh, we want to make sure that there's room for everybody who wants to come in and both see these films, but also help our, our, uh, our, our uh, service travel trips. Fantastic. John, give us the details one more time. We're about to wrap up this segment of the interview show. And so uh, tell us uh, one more uh, when, where, and how. <laughs> it's uh, this, uh, this Friday, the 24th, uh, 7 p.m. Films are starting at the Hartwood Center. Uh, doors are going to open at uh, 6.15. The uh, ticket price is a don- suggested donation of $20, but we're willing to take more or less. And uh, we hope that you will all be there to both enjoy the films and learn more about this restoration project that uh, a little group of North Idaho students have decided to take upon themselves. Well, thank you, John, for joining uh, the morning show. It's been always interesting listening to you, and it sounds like a fabulous event coming up. If you're just tuning in, this is John Hastings, coordinator of the Sandpoint Area Students Outdoor Club, talking about the International Wildlife Film Festival coming up on Friday at the Hartwood Center. We're going to take a short music break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about another film festival, the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, next week with Dr. Mark Cochran, board chairman of the Friends of Scotchman Peaks. For now, uh, sit back and listen to a little bit of Jack Gladstone, the bear who stole the Chinook. The bear who stole the Chinook, Jack Gladstone. Welcome back to the Tuesday morning show. On this Tuesday, we're talking about film festivals. The first half here, we spoke with John Hastings about the Sandpoint Area Students uh, Program, who are hosting the International Wildlife Film Festival. In this segment, we have Dr. Mark Cochran, who's the board chairman of the Friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness. He's going to be talking about the upcoming Wild and Scenic Film Festival on March 2nd at the Panada. Welcome to the show, Mark. Morning, Phil. It's always a pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself for listeners who aren't familiar with you, your background and how you came to Sandpoint and became involved with the Friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness. Uh, okay, I'll go way back. I grew up as an Army brat, and uh, then I served a you know, kind of an abbreviated career in the Marine Corps. I was uh, uh, retired early due, due to some injuries, medical problems, um, and that kind of channeled me into uh, the holistic healing arts. Um, dealing with physical challenges, I've always found that the most the most powerful healer was getting into the great outdoors, into the backcountry, um, rising to challenges in the backcountry. In addition to the, you know, disabilities, uh, if you will, that, uh, you know, stem from my career in the Marine Corps, I also went through a cancer journey about eight years ago. Uh, and I remember uh, after I had recovered from that, hiking up to Scot- the top of Scotchman Peak and standing there and looking at that magnificent landscape and just saying, Hey, I'm still here. I'm alive. I'm like really alive. Uh, so, you know, the backcountry, the wilderness, the great outdoors trails, rivers are just such a powerful healer. Uh, and so that's my, Oh, you know, also living around the world. I mean, I've traveled the world and I've seen some amazing landscapes, you know, on this continent in Australia, various parts of Asia. And I can tell you, Scotchman Peaks is every bit as breathtaking as any place I've ever been. Yeah, it truly is. We live in a remarkable place for the, the absolute scenic beauty. Tell us a little bit more about the Friends of Scotchman Peaks, the short history, the, the mission, the vision. Well, the, the broader vision of the Friends of Scotchman Peaks wilderness is that we're uniting thousands of Idahoans and Montanans to save the wild Scotchmans. And we do that through uh, various different avenues. You know, we 
uh, do advocacy for uh, you know, seeking wilderness designation, congressional designation of the Scotchmans as uh, wilderness. We have some wonderful education and stewardship programs. Uh, you know, we have guided hikes. We have uh, trail work. We have our trail ambassador program that I've been a part of uh, since its inception, uh, which was the year after my cancer journey, by the way. Um, we do trail work, maintaining the trails, and we've got some amazing education programs, one of which is our winter tracks program where we're getting school kids on school days uh, out in the great outdoors learning about wildlife, learning about not just the tracks, uh, as is suggested by the name winter tracks, but about wildlife and about the backcountry. Um, we've, had, we've had various citizen science projects, like we had the rare forest carnivore study that we did uh, several years back for I guess it was five years uh, in collaboration with the Forest Service with Idaho Fish and Game, uh, where we set up uh, motion sensor camera stations um, trying to document that there are wolverines in northern Idaho, and we were able to document that. And I was on uh, one of the teams. Uh, we had the same team every year, and though our station never got any wolverine photographs, we did get some valuable um, wildlife documentation. You know, over the years, we uh, documented... Uh, you know, photographically three different fissures, which are almost as rare as wolverines. And so it was really excited, exciting to find them. So, uh, you know, we do an awful lot that serves our community and, and serves the environment. And it's just, I've been part of the organization and I signed up as a friend in 2008 at the Banff uh, Mountain Film Festival here in Sandpoint. Uh, I've done a lot of volunteering and I've been a board member for just over three years. And as you mentioned, I just became the board chair earlier this year. It's, a, it's an outstanding organization, and I, I'm just passionate about being part of it. We're going to get to the details of the Wild City Film Festival in a moment or two, but the main purpose of it is to support the programs, some of the ones you've mentioned, as well as the summer programs. Yeah, it is a fundraising program, um, and it, it supports the organization, which in turn supports the community. And mm -hmm. it does so by providing some really outstanding, very inspiring films. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, I think, is in its 20th year. And this is the uh, fourth or fifth year the Friends have yeah, supported it? fourth year. Fourth year. That we've presented mm -hmm. it, yeah. Uh, tell us about some of the films that are going to be featured. Well, the... Um, the theme this year is inspiring adventure, and it's uh, mainly films about people who have overcome various challenges uh, in the great outdoors and have it has really enhanced their lives and healed them in the process. So, of course, that particular theme really speaks to me. Uh, you know, for example, there's a film that's called uh, From My Window, and it's about a, a young woman with cerebral palsy who's confined to a wheelchair, and she lives in a you know, in the high country in Colorado. And for years, she looked out her window and saw these beautiful peaks and ultimately uh, teamed up with some other uh, team of other people with disabilities, which was led by a blind mountaineer and was able to summit a 13er, you know, a 13,000 plus peak in Colorado in her wheelchair uh, with the help of these other disabled people, uh, which, you know, a little while ago when I was talking about my background, I used the word disability such as it is, or I said something like that. And um, what I mean by that is, yeah, I got stuff going on with my body that, you know, people would consider a disability, but I refused to let that define me. And she refused to let that define her. There's another film called High Road about a, 
young man, an amputee, who's just starting out as a competitive bicyclist, and he's being mentored by a Paralympian. Um, so it just shows that, you know, in spite of difficulties people have, they can do some amazing things. And it's not just physical disabilities, you know. There's a, a, a young man who's a comedian in Denver, a stand-up comic, and he's an African-American. And uh, that brings challenges to it in the field of stand-up comedy and and as you know, he's an outdoor enthusiast as well, and he does—he's not afraid to tackle some uh, pretty controversial things. And it's—it's it's also a very entertaining film because he's a stand-up comic. There's a lot of humor there. Um, there's a, another film about a, a young Mexican-American man who moves to Colorado to become, uh, you know, a fly fisherman, and um, there's some challenges there. So it's a really broad range of films, all of which are just really inspiring. I've watched all of them. I've previewed all of them. And uh, I, I think people are going to really enjoy the films and really walk out, out of the Panada feeling great about what they've just seen and being inspired to go out and do things themselves. A few things other than films have that ability to both simultaneously yeah. inspire us and educate us and also spark those conversations that are so mm -hmm. important. Yeah. Tell us uh, uh, the details. Uh, when, where, how. Okay. I'll, I'll lead into that by saying... First of all, it's really cool that we've got two excellent film festivals coming up in just, you know, within six days of each other. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to uh, visit, or, you know, watch the International uh, Wildlife Film Festival. And after listening to John, I've decided I'm going to be a snorkel sponsor. <laughs> and, you know, can't miss that tadpole film. It's a small uh, world. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, the, the Wild and Scenic Film Festival is going to be Thursday of next week, Thursday evening, at the Panada Theater here in downtown Sandpoint. Um and uh, that's March 2nd, and it's the doors are going to open at 6 o'clock. The films are going to start at 7. It's going to be about two hours, a little bit longer. Uh, the price of the tickets is $15, and uh, you can get the tickets at the uh, scotchmanpeaks.org, which is our website. Just find our events page, and there's a greater description of the film festival in most of the films uh, and a link to buy tickets. Again, $15. There's also a link on our Facebook page, which is the Friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness Facebook page, uh, as well as the Panada Theater's website, panada.org. Just scroll down to March 2nd, and they've got a link there to buy the tickets. Mm -hmm. Tickets will also be available at the door as long as they haven't sold out first. And it'll be the same price, you know, uh, at the door as if you buy them in advance, $15. There is an option also to be a superstar supporter for $200, which... Uh, includes various perks like there's a reserved seating section, um, you know, close to the front for superstar supporters, and there's going to be a uh, pre-party uh, at the private in the private space upstairs at Ike Hearts, uh, which is just a short walk from the theater. Uh, that's going to be catered by Ike Hearts, and and that's going to be a really fun time. We instituted that last year, and it was a really great event. It's such a fabulous uh, opportunity to come and support two organizations, both of these film festivals and uh, with the Wild and Scenic to support some of the summer trail activities yeah. that really help keep trails open for everyone. Mm -hmm. Mark, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up the show? Well, if anybody wants to be more involved with the Friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness, you know, you can visit our website, scotchmanpeaks.org. There's a donate button if you want to make a monetary donation of whatever size. Everything is helpful. Uh, if you're interested in being a trail ambassador, and I've been, you know, what we nickname mountain goat ambassadors, uh, I've been a part of that since its inception. And that's a lot of fun, getting to climb Scotchman Peaks and or Scotchman Peak and interacting with a lot of the hikers. I've met hikers from as far away as India. 
uh, you know, on the Scotchman Peak Trail, um, there's the opportunity to do trail work, which is hard work, but it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of camaraderie. Uh, we have a lot of organized hikes. You can volunteer to be a hike leader, or you can just sign up to be, uh, you know, to go on a hike, uh, whether it's in the summer or the winter. There's just a lot, lot of things that we can do. And whether you want to be involved or not, there's a lot of information about the Scotch, the Scotchman Peaks and the trails that are available. Uh, you know, you don't have to be involved in the organization. You can just go on out and hike. Well, Dr. Mark uh, Cochran from the Friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness, thank you for coming on the show this morning, talking about the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. Thanks, Phil. It's been a pleasure. If you've just tuned in, as always, we'll have this available as a podcast later on this afternoon or tomorrow. You can hear more about upcoming international wildlife film festivals and the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. While it's cold and snowy outside, dream about the coral reefs of Belize or summer hiking and adventures. Uh, we're going to go now to a little bit of Diana Ross, and then I'm going to come back with some upcoming events.